Welcome to WNHH Radio's Dateline New Haven. I'm your host, Paul Bass, inviting you to look behind the headlines on the stories that make the Elm City tick. No one makes New Haven tick more than Mayor Tony Harp. She's here in the WNHH studio for her weekly Mayor Monday checkup on what she and we are up to in the Elm City. Welcome, Mayor Harp. Hey, Paul. How you doing? Good. It's always nice to see you first thing Monday morning. It's always good to be here. Nice way to start the week. <laughs> um, if you have a question for the mayor, feel free to pop it to us via Facebook Live. Here's what you got to do. Ready? There's two steps, folks. You go to the New Haven Independent Facebook page. New Haven Independent. You'll see the video right there. You just send in your question and we're ready. Thanks to Gateway Community College and Birch and Moses PC for providing financial support for today's program. So were you Irish for a day yesterday, Mayor Hart? I was. I had a green scarf and everything. I can't imagine. Like, if you're mayor, you do have to submit. Oh, you okay? I'm good. Okay. If you're a, a mayor, you do have to submit a budget every year. You do have to take the oath of office every two years, and you do have to march at the front of the St. Patrick's Day Parade, right? Aren't those the three um, non-negotiable well, demands? Not exactly the front, We're and which is so nice. We're right behind the Hill House band. Oh, my gosh. They're so good. And that, that <laughs> gives you the energy to walk the whole That's time, right. right? You got yeah. the beat. Yep. I, they are good. They are They've really good. They've always been good, yeah. yeah. Well, do you remember what numbers they played yesterday? I don't remember. I just remember it was a good beat. <laughs> <laughs> and then are you sort of like in the politician pack? Like you there with Rosa DeLauro and Dick Blumenthal no, and those they, kind of people? I, we, we have a New Haven section, so we're in the New Haven okay. section. So you were with like the state reps and the alders and that kind of stuff? I was with the alders, the state reps there, kind of with the politicians. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what was the parade like when you watched through, besides the Hill House Marching Band? Well, it was really nice and warm when there, where there was sunlight <laughs> in the shade, it was a little chilly, but it was it was so much fun. There were so many little kids. What I really loved seeing the kids are all dressed up, uh, at least a lot of them, and um, and they, you know, of course the band was going through and they were dancing to the band. You know, it was just a lot of fun. You know? <laughs> yeah. The um, our reporter Brian Slattery wrote about it from the perspective of an Irish American who has very conflicted feelings about St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh-huh. It's very positive on balance. He loves it. He had a great time. He put all the pictures. Everyone had a good time. But he says there's two caveats. Or one is he doesn't like to get so drunk you go blotto and throw up all over the place aspect of it. Oh. And you know he he talks about how there's always some of that at the parade less than they used to. I think because I think the yeah. police have yeah. done such a good job of. of keep things under control but right. no he says that and he's not a teetotaler he loves a special kind of irish whiskey when it's when it's um cold that his grandmother liked but he says he kind of feels like that's a cheapening of the tradition and he also called out some irish americans prominent ones including mike mulvaney in the um trump administration for not embracing immigration when that was such an important part of irish american experience dating back to the famine and on balance you know he said this is a great parade because it's not just irish people but it is irish tradition everyone enjoys it and it shows the diversity in new haven and yet the wonderful traditions they have in the irish american community but uh, predictably it's got some readers upset because they say you know why you spoil a good thing by bringing up that part you know well you know one of the things that uh, that i've got to say about irish people and um immigration when I was in the General Assembly, Eileen Daly was there, and we had a bill. I think it was when we had the bill on. Um, we had our we did our own Dream Act first, and then we also had driver's licenses, and we talked about um, making sure that these things were available to people who were not uh, didn't have the appropriate documents, and um, Senator Daly and. Uh, a number of the other senators who were Irish got up there and they said that um, that they come from 
a tradition of immigrants. Some of them had papers, some of them didn't, and were very vocal on behalf of immigration issues for everyone. And there was so, such a good reason for Irish immigration with the potato famine. Other and sure. and uh, so, and I do think overall there is that support, like you mentioned, but it did kind of open a little bit of a, a can of worms there. But <laughs> you know, well, but also you remember how Irish Americans were treated in this country as immigrants. Mm-hmm. Remember, it's just like with the Jews and African Americans, they used to be mm-hmm. like no dogs or Irish or Jews allowed in or whatever. And now it's great with the St. Patrick's Day parade to see what a, what a great established part of our community, the Irish American community, has been for de- generations. You know, they oh. they definitely ascended. They're now you know a strong. They have a lot of leadership in our community, just like any other group. So I just thought it was kind of interesting he opened that can of worms, but uh, well, not, he, not he, our fight. So he went there, right? <laughs> yeah, he went there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Yeah. But anyway, so it was a great day, and the weather did hold, even though it was cold. It's always cold this time. Yeah, it's always kind of on the brink this kind of year. With uh, the, Matter of fact, I was going to ask you if I can call in a chit, since you're the mayor and you got power and everything, <laughs> and influential friends. Can you ask the weather authorities just to call off the storm we have coming to I mean, oh, I do love snow makes New Haven beautiful. You've got your act together and clearing the streets. But by this time of March, it just kind of feels like enough. And, you know, they're saying it's going to be another big storm tomorrow. I think maybe if you could just raise the temperature a few degrees so it's just rain. Any thoughts? Oh, I'd love for that to be. I'm, I'm from, from, from your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> well, I was kind of hoping from this politician to the authorities, but okay. <laughs> I don't think the authorities have much to do with it. But <laughs> Well, last week's storm went well. It went well here, but you know, I met a number of people who, um, some of whom work for us. One one gentleman, um, we always go around and we talk about uh, things that we're grateful for, and he said he was grateful uh, that he got to walk to work this morning. And and then everybody said, "Well, why did you get to work walk to work?" He said, "Because I was staying at a hotel that was a few blocks uh, down the street." Okay. And why was that? Because we'd lost electricity, and and in his town of Deep River. Only 18 homes had electricity. Wow. Almost the entire town lost electricity. Yeah, it was a, the, the story about that storm was clearly the wind. I mean, there mm-hmm. was plenty of snow. It was wet snow. It needed to be cleared. You guys got it ready by morning. Right. But the wind was, was tough, and uh, I guess combined maybe with the heavy snow on the branches. So we did have more than 3,000 people in New Haven without electricity. Right. You, I, and they had to go to towns where, as you mentioned, a lot more people did not have electricity. Within 24 hours, I think most... I, if I'm not mistaken, all but about 300 had it. But that Marvel will drive. I was thinking when you walk your dog, like it's a few mm-hmm. blocks from there, that's where I think the biggest tree came down. Right, in right. Front of, from a household of a, of a family whose mother came to live with them because her house was destroyed in Hurricane Maria in oh. Puerto Rico. We had a story about that. That was our story of the week last week about the storm. It was their tree. They were about to have it taken down before the storm, and the storm did it for them. And that's why all of half of Upper Westville was out. Right, right. And uh, so, but what do, you, what do you think about, so with this storm, are they thinking big winds again, or what are they saying? I, I, what I'm seeing is that they expect winds up to 50 uh, miles 50, that's yes. even more than we had, right? Yeah, I think it is. So, you know, like, if it, but there is the possibility, and so it depends upon how hard people pray, that it might actually veer off a little bit. So that's what I was thinking when I was asking for your help. So it's not we're going to pray, we're counting on you. We elected you, okay? St. Patrick's Day Parade, oath of office, submit the budget, and get that wind going off course, okay? Yeah. Okay, we got a deal. We'll we'll do our best. Nice negotiating with you. We're going to negotiate with Bob here. Bob's calling on Mayor Monday. How you doing, buddy? I'm glad you saved me the question about the storm, Paul. Hello, Mayor. How are you? Hey, how you doing? All right. Are we prepared 
And do we have enough money in the budget? Ooh, good oh, question. Yeah, we're prepared. No removal and, budget. Uh, we're prepared, and we do. Actually, even with the storm that we had uh, a few days ago, we um, we haven't gotten as much snow as we thought we would get. So, um, so we're ready. All right, good question, Bob. Anything else, Bob? Uh, well, uh, well, I'm not done yet. All right, New Bob's Haven not done. Is supposed to get a lot more in the way of snow this time around. We're uh, the last time we didn't get a lot, but we got the wind and the trees knocked down and everything else. Um, will you be issuing a parking ban? Always, it, it, we will do a parking ban if it's six inches of snow or more. You know what's so interesting about that parking ban, Bob and uh, Mayor Harp? I've observed, and tell me if I'm wrong, because I don't see every street in the city. It seems like it's largely observed now. There are always going to be people who don't, and they mess up everything. If you don't observe a parking ban, you're supposed to park on the even side, not the outer register street. On a narrow street, that could mean nobody will get plowed out. It's going to be hard to pass. Right. But, and I heard this also in public works people. So you do enforce, but you can't be on every street in 18.7 square mile city. <laughs> so you go and enforce it where it's most important right away. And you know that the law is there, but people are getting the message. It seems like storm by storm. I noticed how since Mayor Harp, you got in, in that first storm, you guys learned a lot of lessons. All during the year, including the summer, you had this task force working on a combination of equipment requests and strategic approaches to the snow. It seems like we kind of got our act together on this parking ban, that this really works. This is such a big part of people's safety and getting it clear. Am I wrong? I'm missing something here. No, I think, think people are doing a lot better, but there are still some uh, who are holding out, and uh, we really have got them. When when you see that your neighbors are not parked on the street, there's a reason for that. Well, you know, for the first <laughs> bunch of years, I kept focused as a reporter, too, on the importance of you guys being consistent in your message and consistent in the towing. But now I'm coming to realize, while that is important, nothing can substitute for people at large following that rule. Because, again, you can't be at 50,000 households. You know, right. and and people really got to follow that ban. That's a biggie. And it's one thing that we do together. I think you're absolutely right. And it really works. Oh, it does. All right. So, Bob, any other questions? Um, you don't actually, have to. I just wanted to week. make a comment. You were talking about the parade. I was unable to make it yesterday. I, I would have loved to have seen the mayor walk down the street, of course, in the cold weather. But uh, <laughs> She had the marching band keeping her warm. Marty Dunleavy put some great pictures up on Facebook, Paul. I'm going to check them out. And friends during the 1980 St. Patrick's Day. I want to see that. Yeah, Marty's got institutional knowledge. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Bob. Have a great week, pal. Good to talk to you. Hopefully, we won't get all the snow they're forecasting. All right. Well, we're counting on Mayor Harp. That's why we elected her. But uh, but if you will (laughs) help with me, uh, Bob, I think that I'll have a better chance. (laughs) <laughs> All right. And I, I'm just going to take the chance to remind you, you're listening to Mayor Monday on WNHH 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org, your home for community radio. So election results are in. I'm waiting for you to say, what election? I was going to say, I was wondering. The election what? that you asked us to hold. Oh, okay. I finally right. did my homework, and we asked people what oh. you should call these neighborhood cleanups that you do. Okay, So we, we experimented in New Haven, and people liked it a few months ago. With having all city agencies that deal with problems in neighborhoods, from dark corners with overgrown trees, to slumlords not keeping up the housing code, to, uh, to streets where they don't dig out the um, this leaves from the sewer, and where they're all getting together in a two-day sweep of looking at all the problems, fixing them to clear it out, but also getting neighbors engaged so that they'll start reporting problems ahead of time. 
and getting the agencies working together. So they have a new tool that New Haven City Government has developed where everyone could just who inspects a property could punch in an address and get everything that every department's done on it. Health inspector, code inspector, police. And so you did that in, in New Hallville with good results. And you say you're about to go on for Haven, but you want a new name. You said people didn't like calling it a sweep because right. they felt like it was a, a drug police operation. Mm-hmm. So we took a poll and there was 26% of independent uh, readers voted for either blight busters or neighborhood <laughs> cleanup. Oh, okay. 16% went for clean sweep. Six said just sweep was okay. 8% said canvas. And then 16% said others. And someone wrote in, I'm not a fan of acronyms. CNA sounds like certified nurse assistant. CNA, <laughs> sorry, not to be program, comprehensive neighborhood assessment program. Oh, Have you guys said a name? You had a mystery one, which you would not divulge last week, even though we pushed you to. So what is it going to be called? Well, um, what we're looking at is uh, my neighborhood first. Ooh, my <laughs> neighborhood first. Okay. Because, you know, as, as your, lo- your spokesman Lawrence pointed out, we couldn't really call it Blightbusters. It's not the right non-form. It's like, it's not the name of a program is not Blightbusters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Although I like the Ghostbusters thing. I thought you could yeah, like, do a take on building. Yeah. So my neighborhood first, is there going to be high, like a, a logo with it? or there'll, there'll be a logo. And then we're trying to figure out whether or not we call it um, clean and safe. It's sort of in the middle of a circle or an oval. Or um, um, I think we were going to call it... Um, Clean City. I, th- I kind of like Clean City. Yeah. The only thing about my neighborhood first is it kind of feels like we're not joining together with other neighborhoods. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So it's still, a, it's still a work in progress. It's still a work in progress. We, we're going to be looking at some logos. And I'll take what, uh, what you've given us and we'll have people uh, have people around the table vote. I don't know. I kind of, I'm going to, I think we should defer to you guys on this one. Okay. Sometimes there's wisdom of the crowd, and sometimes it needs to be a little bit joint, like the parking ban. I think you're getting closer, in getting my closer, opinion, than we yeah. got. When is it going to take place in Fairhaven? Um, the 28th and 29th. All right. Of so March. we want to be there. Okay. And that's going to be so. Fairhaven, you're next. And um, but you know, talking about my neighbor first, all nervous together. Last week in New Haven, you, you tipped us off to a really good story. We were all kind of singing Kumbaya. Everyone's kind of down on Kumbaya. I think it's a nice song. And there was a story recently about the roots of that song mm-hmm. that it actually was this, it's called Gucci, the, uh, the church, black church from Africa in off the coast of, I think, North Carolina. Actually, that's where the song originated. Mm-hmm. There was a white composer who got the copyright and claimed it was his, and then they found an old recording mm. that actually came from this church that because of their accent, they spelled a dialogue, come by here, mm-hmm. sound like Kumbaya. So where am I going with this? There was a kumbaya moment in City Hall last week where neighborhood groups all got together mm-hmm. and said our neighborhoods together. Apparently, there's a dynamic new co-chair of the New Hallville management team. The management teams were set up in 10 of the policing districts with the neighborhoods in the city that grew into sort of the engines of grassroots democracy in New Haven. And not just meeting with their police, but vetting ideas and coming up with solutions to problems. And they said, um, Kim Harris and the people in New Hallville said, let's have 60 days of summer where we're sending families especially kids and parents but everybody into each other's neighborhoods and we're coordinating have great things to do for 60 days we'll come up with a whole passport where you get it get it stamped and we'll have a schedule we print together and every neighborhood will pitch together to welcome everyone in and have a fun safe summer right and uh and they got all these people to become part of it they came to city hall you gave them a rousing i could tell you were psyched because you love kumbaya <laughs> just like me just admit it and uh and and it sounds like this is kind of a neat 
cost-free to the city, but mm-hmm. you're going to give them all sorts of logistic support. A great uh, development. It's really great, and it came from uh, the folks in the New Hallville That's Management That's the best team. way, yeah. huh? grassroots. And like they are so excited. <laughs> and no one can remember another time when all these other neighborhoods came together mm-hmm. in one room and, and did a whole project together. Yeah. So they did, and, and they are, and they're going to be meeting, and they're, re- they're really working on it. They're going to fill it all out so that there'll be a place to 60 go. 60 days of summer. And then, you know, because that's been part of your approach with Culture Life in the City with your arts guy uh, and tourism, Andy Wolf, is that right. you've done a lot more activities without spending the money by just coordinating plans, coming with ideas, and getting people in the city then to run with it, where you have sort of a major event every month. This is something. This is 60 days of summer. Yeah, this is going to be, it's going to be, um, it's going to be, Interesting to see what people come up with, but already they were already filling things in uh, during that meeting. So um, it's it's going to happen. It's going to be across the city, and it's going to be a lot of fun for everybody. Kumbaya! Okay, <laughs> now, that's such a, you know, I hate the way that's such a malign song, and it's true that it's kind of done dippy sometimes. But it's a good song. I like the song. Yeah, I like the song too. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like the idea of calling the the new strong school we're building on the Southern Connecticut State University campus? That's going to be where the Strong School is now, not at the Strong School in Fairhaven, but in the mm-hmm. Hill. And it's going to be moving to Southern in a new building paid for mostly by the state, where it's going to be an education focus, teamed up with Southern's Education School. Part of the idea is to get these kids in the track so that they ever become, might want to become teachers later on, they're hooked in. There's a movement afoot to call it the Obama School. It'd be the first New England public school named after President Obama. What's your take on this? I think that's. I think that it's an excellent choice. Uh, certainly, he epitomizes education and and how far it can take you, and uh, in, and in many respects, he uh, worked really hard during his administration to improve, particularly urban education. So I think that would be uh, appropriate. Senior centers. Now we didn't even know this was going on. One hundred sixty thousand dollars of work has been completed at three senior centers, which we still have, East Shore, Dixwell, and Atwater, the biggest one being Atwater, the mentors of all three. Alan Appel did a story about one last week. Mm-hmm. How did that come about, and what's the difference? Did you see a difference? Did you go to the one in uh, Fairhaven? I went to the one in uh, at Atwater, and I went to the one at uh, East Shore. There was supposed to be one at Dixwell as well. Well, you know what was happening in um, all of our senior centers is that they had furniture that was starting to fall apart and look icky, Uh, They had rooms that weren't used, particularly in Atwater Well. And so um, what this uh, did ultimately was to remodel the building, um, make it available, particularly in Atwater's case, so that um, Arte could use it in the Arte Inc., that's the cultural organization Latino-led in Fairhaven. Right. So you're going to... Leverage a city building there to have different generations come in and interact, I would guess. And interact. Actually, they've already sent over an art instructor who's just working with the elderly. But oh, excellent. ultimately, if people want to stay there longer when the kids come in from school or, or during the summertime, uh, they'll be intergenerational. That's a beautiful thing, cross-generational. Yeah, yeah uh, programming. And so we're excited about that. It's And it's just, you know, like, I don't know if you were ever in Atwater, yeah. but... The bricks were, you know, like they had the exposed bricks and they were a dark color getting darker every year. And they were all painted. Everything is light and bright. Excellent. Um, yeah, so it's nice. They, what always struck me about Atwater is just what a resource it is. Yes. It is like it's got its auditorium type facility with the stage. It's got the big mm-hmm. rooms. It's, it looks like it might have been a school, was it? I'm not familiar with I, the history. I think it was always um, a, a 
Marty Looney speaks about having played uh, basketball there, bitty basketball. And so it was always a community center. So it's, you know, at one point in time, we did that around the city. And there are a couple of them that um, that we need to remodel that um, besides just this one that uh, were facilities for people who, uh, recreational facilities. So 160K, was that that bond money? It was bond money. So that goes far. You talk about three senior centers and keeping them in commission and then Mm -hmm. bringing groups like Arte to have stuff going in them. I think one of the challenges of senior centers, we've talked a lot about them over 20 years. We've closed some, like West River, like the one in Westville right. as well, not just West River. And um, the feeling was that we need to consolidate them all to one and bus people there. But we're holding out with these three. Right. Because it costs money to keep them up. It's a new era in government. Um, and I guess you've made a statement here that with a little money, you're going to keep them going. We're going to keep them going. People feel very strongly about you know, going to as close to their neighborhood as possible. So so we have the sort of, um, in the western part of the city, we have the the Dixwell, um, Newhallville um, one, which is, is now at the old um, Community Outreach Center. Uh, and then we have Atwaters, we spoke about, and then we have East Shore. And, um, and, and what they did at Atwater was that people wanted to cook, but they also needed commercial sort of like uh, operation there to provide the meals. And so they added a kitchen. Oh, excellent. And people are going to get to cook. But they, you know, there are all kinds of activities. And I, I would say so far that is the biggest one in terms of the rooms. And they have a little library in there. It's really nice. We have an aging population. So it's not like seniors are going to be fading away. No, there there will always be some that will take advantage of this. Life. But I mean, we're going to have a bigger population to serve. Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. Now, the one in Dixwell, New Hallville, which is in Dixwell, the, uh, is that going to be part of the new escape there that's being built? Uh, it's in the same building, yeah. So it's going to be and a part And what is of up with the escape? Because that's long delayed. Um, well, you know, we're having a meeting with our um, city engineer, I transferred the project over to the city engineer. He's been busy with some other things. Shooting range. So, right. <laughs> shooting range. They're doing a, some kind of a dock out there. in Q uh, House. Yeah. Uh, Q House. He's, he's got a lot going on, bridges. Um, and so he now has the time to really think about that. So we're going to be meeting with the youth services department um, to begin that project up again. All right, and we're going to remind you that you listen to Mayor Monday at WNHH 103.5 FM live streamed at New Haven Independent. Dot org. So an era passed with the Republican Party this week in New Haven. Uh-huh. So Jonathan Wharton had really given it a lot of new energy. He was mm-hmm. the town chair. He was a professor at Southern Connecticut State University, under 90 years old, which is unusual, I think, for that party. <laughs> and, um, and also an African-American yeah. who is not, who was a moderate. And mm-hmm. uh, he put a lot of energy over the last two years, got a lot more people to join commissions and boards right. and people to run for office. He got new people to join. And I thought he got some goodwill from people who don't agree with Republican philosophy. He said, you want to have choices in town. You want people to, mm-hmm. more people engaged. Now, he stepped down. Right. He's gone for tenure. And he want, at Southern, he wants to focus on that. And they got sort of another person, the old mold, a very adamant Donald Trump supporter. Um, he got, he was known on, he just came to town. He got known on TV for chasing people off his lawn who were trying to wreck his <laughs> Donald Trump's side. <laughs> but anyway, any thoughts on that passing of the baton? Well, you know, I know that we've um, at the city have have enjoyed working with Jonathan, and he, we actually reached out to him to say, uh, "Are there members of your your town committee that would like to serve?" 
because almost every single one of our boards has a requirement that there is a Republican or an independent. And, uh, and he was very good at getting names to us so that we could get people on our boards and commissions. The truth is there were probably seven times as many independents as Republicans. So you were making an extra effort sure. to have genuine diversity because a lot of independents are, are really Democrats. Democrats. Yeah, and, you know, there's really no organization for them. And at least this, there is an organization for Republicans. I haven't met the new leader of um, the Republican Party. So I, I'm assuming that we're going to reach out and um, we'll be willing to take names from him or her as well. I, I don't know who it is. Okay, um, you're, you're heading up to China. Yes. Oh, you're leaving town for what, a week? Uh, for about 10 days. And that's April 7th, correct? 5th. April 5th. Now, just to let people know, you're going to China to make a little history. We're going to be, um, you're making it official, the last part of making it official, if I'm not mistaken, right. that we are sister cities with Changsha, China. You're right. going with Andrew Wolf, we'll put it together, mm-hmm. your tourism and um, arts czar, I'm one of our favorite people to have on WNHH. And I think Mark Camille is going with you, the president of Albertus. Oh, I believe he address. is, yeah. And so tell me about it. Tell me what's going to happen when you're there and why you're going. Well, we're going, uh, again, to uh, formalize our relationship as a sister city to Changcha, China. We also are um, meeting with a lead generation company to um, meet with companies that want to have a presence on the east coast of the United States to see Mm. if we can get them to come to New Haven or greater New Haven. So this is in Changsha. It's a big city, right? Well, we're going to be going to Hong Kong, Beijing, and then Changsha. So we're going to be meeting with, we're we're hoping to meet with four or five companies and it will be in various places. We're working with a consultant now to identify those companies. These are ones who express some interest in expanding. Right. And who want to be in the United States. So you're not just there for sister city, you're there for a little job creation. We are there for job creation and to get companies who want to be in the United States to take a look at New Haven, Greater New Haven. And what you've now defined is a bigger region with Bridgeport. Well, with Bridgeport and with uh, and going all the way up to um, Madison. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that sounds fun. You looking forward to it? Oh, it's really exciting. Um, um, Taisha is going to be coming too. Taisha Walker. Board. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's nice. We had hoped you would come. I'm a terrible <laughs> traveler. I'm telling you, going to Hamden is a big deal for me. <laughs> Thank you, though. I think I was, I, it's not a good job. My brother goes to China all the time. Oh, really? He's in charge of the biosciences practice. He opened it there for his law firm. Mm. And uh, and he really likes it in China. You know, it's you're going at such an interesting moment, Mayor Harp, because on the one hand, such interesting things are happening with business ties in China and America. And I think you're really on top of it by talking about seeking out the firms want to come here because there's been a lot of investment abroad. Mm-hmm. And you're also going at a time where China's making a step that's much criticized in its government, going in an authoritarian direction. Right. And you know, we talk a lot, I'm sorry to return to Kumbaya here, but the, 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 the potential of citizen-to-citizen diplomacy, mm-hmm. that when governments at the national level are involved in trade wars or military discussions, you know, or in conflicts, there's still always this potential at the grassroots level to, to form more enduring and powerful ties. When Andy Wolf was on here, he spoke about forming chat rooms, for instance, in the university students there and here. Mm-hmm. It's a university town. They all saw something called Yali Prep Schools, actually right. named after Yale because Yale in China was there with 16,000 students, 10 campuses. And he says, um, he's kind of seniors at the towers. He wants to set up chat rooms 
between citizens, high school students, seniors. I think that could be powerful. <laughs> you know, and I asked him, how are you going to get past political filters with China? And mm-hmm. he said, it's true that he doesn't think that they'll be able to, let's say, talk about fomenting political challenges and things like that, but that there is a lot of else to talk about that is genuine, mm-hmm. that could lead to, uh, especially not just understanding, but economic cooperation. No, I think that, I think that Andy's absolutely right. And I think that's why we do it. And that's why the Sister City program is so important. I think it was started after World War II during the Eisenhower administration. And it was even before the Peace Corps, but it was this whole idea that citizen-to-citizen diplomacy really worked. And that people got to know one another and, and had things that were like each other, you know, situations. So we have Yale, they have Yali. Um, and, you know, actually Yale China helped to build their hospital over there. And so there is that connection um, for our sister city. And, and, and we have 11 of them, I believe, uh, across the world. And that's the way in which we as New Haveners get to reach out to a, a worldwide community and share things, learn from them, and, and they will learn from us sometimes. Because China is, I think, one of the most interesting economies and nations right now. You know, separate from this issue, which is very important about what uh, the president there is doing, I mean, the prime minister, I guess, the, you know, how he's suffering his power. They are the, the they are now a superpower economy, not a superpower, sure. superpower economy. And they had this mix for so long between keeping Communist Party rule, but opening up their markets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now as, as President Trump is withdrawing from a lot of international trade agreements, I see China stepping in as being so influential, especially in the rest of Asia, but even in Europe. And Africa. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, you know, building I think the that, new Silk Road. Yeah. Right. And I, and I really think that we're missing an opportunity, as a, it's my opinion, uh, as a country as we pull back because, in fact, um, of technology, the world is a lot smaller. And as human beings, we've got to find a way to work with one another, live together as a species, and to keep ourselves going. I mean, you know, this pulling back and all of this, where that could actually start um, friction. Yeah, um, is really not in the interest of, of humanity. And I think you're talking a lot about trade, right? I'm talking about trade, and I'm talking about um, just interaction. Now how but, do we how do we deal when we do that with this growing um, authoritarian trend in the world, which is very much in our country too, with President Trump oh, yeah. in Hungary, Italy, Poland, every day in Europe. There's a new one in uh, Latin America, Venezuela, in China. I guess maybe is that not the job of the city and citizen citizens? Is it more like building our economies together and our understanding while the people at the national and international level have their have their spats? I, I think that that is probably what will work better, you know, in all honesty. And um, it's unfortunate. I do think that he, that as human beings, that democracy does does work. It's it's uh, a little messy and, you know, it takes more time, but you've got more buy-in when you have it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I want to thank you for the buy-in of listening to Mayor Monday at 103.5 FM WNHH, your home for community radio with Mayor Harp and it's Mayor Monday. And thanks for being our ambassador. I was your ambassador? To China. <laughs> okay. All right. I think you're a good, you're a very good traveler. I know that <laughs> the opposite of me. And uh, <laughs> uh, last week, let's shift gears back locally. The police commission last week passed a new policy on when people apply to the police department if they smoke marijuana in the past. 
They apparently made that it could be a less more recently than the past. He smoked marijuana, he become a cop. They're not saying what the policy is. Um, they don't want people to know what to say when they fill out the application. We're in a fight mm-hmm. with them of information because most other departments do mm-hmm. have it. It's just right there on their websites. But then they made a decision last week where three officers who had been removed from consideration were brought back on because of the new policy. Any thoughts? Well, you know, I think that, you know, the whole idea of, of how we handle marijuana, it, it's got to at some point be similar to the way in which we handle alcohol. And um, it's probably even less addictive than alcohol and certainly than cigarettes. It's just, but it is illegal in this country. So, you know. Gradually got, becoming less so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not in every state. Yeah. But uh, so I, I do think that, that, even in our state, it's become a misdemeanor. It's not a felony anymore. Um, and so I think we have to really adjust the way in which we look at people based upon the changes that occur. So if I were to ask you the trick question, trying to trip me up to get information you don't want to give, I would say, what's the new policy again? <laughs> <laughs> you say, oh yeah, you changed it to one year. Yeah, I'm guessing it's one year, but you don't have to answer that one. Stop and shop in Dwight. You were uh-huh. part, I remember, 10 years ago in getting... We, we, more than 10 years ago. We, we, uh, yeah. It was a food desert, they called it, in Dwight, right. because if you lived in Dwight, Edgewood, Dixwell, there was no supermarket nearby. Mm-hmm. And then we brought Shaw's there, and it was part of a big effort with the Dwight Development Corporation, Lindsay Towns and Mayor's Group, um, mm-hmm. which has a new name. Um, let me see if I wrote it down here. I did not. Sorry. It's the Dwight Group. They created Dwight Plaza, which has mm-hmm. a lot of stuff in it. I mean, Dwight's place. Excuse me. It's a plaza. And um, then Shaw's left, and everyone scurried and got Stop and Shop to go there. Right. And Stop and Shop did just sign a new 10-year lease. So it's going to be there. So that must mean they are making money there. They are making money. And you know what? That meeting that we talked about with the um, community management teams, and they all got to sort of talk about what they were proudest of um, during that meeting. And the folks from Dwight said, we own. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? That's right. They own the plaza. They own the plaza, and they were very they wanted to let people know that that uh, that they were owners of the community had come together to get that to happen, and they they should be very proud of that. I, I think we would agree that long term leadership makes a difference. Linda Townsend Mayor has been involved in trying to make that neighborhood work for tw- almost thirty years at least. Right, and she was on the board of Alders too. She's That's lived, right, yeah. Uh, she's lived in the community. But I've watched her like the fight. You see her in the spring weeding. Yep. On the corner of Orchard and Edgewood, I see her and walk my way to work. You know, right outside the. Uh, the mini park there that they created by the Montessori school mm-hmm. they created. And yeah, and, I, and it does pay dividends. You know, there some of our commenters were complaining about stop and shop there because, you know, they're going in a neighborhood where people don't buy, it's poorer. So they don't buy as much per purchase. And, um, and they don't always have as much staff and people. It's like, I notice it when I go to two stop and shops, right out mm-hmm. by Amity, even though there are low income people who shop there too. You also have Woodbridge mm-hmm. and all that in Westville and you, you wait longer online. Unless I guess you're comfortable self checkout, which my age it's a little little daunting. Oh, you can do it. Paul. I know. My, I always go with my daughter's there. She does. <laughs> you see, you travel, you do self checkout. You know, some of us it's a little it's a little daunting. But um, but do you ever notice that? Do you feel because um, some of people felt like they they maybe don't give the same level of service that you would get in another neighborhood? Well, my daughter pointed out that uh, she put in some of that out. I I'll be honest with you, I haven't been able to go shopping lately. And unless it's really, 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 really late, and, and I just go where it's closest, so um, I haven't really noticed any of it. The other thing is that you sometimes have to compete and hunt in the um, parking lot to get a, a, a basket. 
Yeah, but you know, I think it's probably one of the more successful stop and shops in the area. And also, it's a very nice store. I think it's really clean. Mm-hmm. The people who check you out are really nice. Helen Powell used to be yeah, with yeah. there, you know. <laughs> and you always see it's like almost like a social center when the people are checking out. They know mm-hmm. the people who are checking them out. I do think it's a very nice store, and they have a, they do have a and good they selection. have a lot of stuff. And you know, it's also the Yale students. Um, they right. walk. They also have shuttles that bring them to the store. Oh. So yeah, so it's a it's very nice. So ten years is a good. A good commitment. It's know, a great commitment. I think it makes a huge difference there. Were the, what were the other management teams saying about what they were proud of? Do you have any stick out in your mind? Uh, you know, I, what, I think East Shore, they were talking about um, doing, um, um, th- there are a lot of historical sites there. They're talking about that, a, a historic walk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that they were excited about that. Um, and, you know, uh, the, those two, uh, the work that, that Dixwell is doing, not Dixwell, New Hallville is doing, uh, sort of in pulling all of this together and some of the things that they have going on, they they discuss. But those were the two that sort of stuck out in my and mind. And Dwight, you said, with the plaza. They're with the plaza, yes. Yeah. yeah. I was like, uh, really, I thought to myself, and, and I think this is why it's important to have a democracy and to give empower people, because they do the things that are necessary for them and specific to them and, the, and their communities. And so uh, we've seen that happen all across this town. You know, one of the things that that uh, my administration, along with the Board of Alders, does is to make sure that there is ten thousand per management team in the budget, so that they have that um, to work with, and they get to decide how to spend right, it. That's your grassroots budgeting initiative. Every right. year, mm-hmm. the, the management team gets ten thousand dollars. They decide how to spend it, and that's how the East Shore project came about. Oh, okay. They were saying, how are we going to spend this money? They saved a little from another year so mm-hmm. they could fully pay for it. It's been a great spur to, in, in Dixwell, New Hallville, they, both neighborhoods, I believe, they've used it to hire kids in the summer to be clean-up ambassadors. Right. Not just clean up trash, but urge people not to litter. And it's actually, at least our reporters found, it changed the way those kids think about their neighborhood. Absolutely. And, you know, I think it changes the way the neighborhood thinks about itself when it can sort of think together with other neighbors about, well, we have this amount. Um, what do we do with it together to make a difference in our community? You know, the number of things we talked about today remind me how a little bit goes a long way in right. democracy. A government can put a little bit into a senior center. It can get groups that are up to something, pulling their resources and show some leadership. You can mm-hmm. give $10,000 to a management team, how they're going to spend it, make a big difference, and also build community. I think that's sort of the message of government in the last generation about being a, um, a prod to make things happen. And that, you know, that, that it's a partnership. Yeah. That, um, you know, and even with the snow, you know, like one of the things that happens with C-Click Fix, if you're, if you're elderly or you're disabled and you can't get out there and, and, and you know, clean your snow, then you can go to C-Click Fix and, and neighbor, peop, neighbors who do that will come and help, help um, clean off your walk. And so it really is about building community and getting people... Uh, to work together to make the place uh, look and feel like they want it to look and feel. And I think that's great. It's kind right. of really American, isn't it? I don't know. It is. Or New Haven, <laughs> at least. That's how we do it in New Haven. Yeah. And we do it on Mayor Monday, 103.5 FM, live to newhavenindependent.org here on WNHHFM with Mayor Tony Harp talking about the week. So last week when you were here, uh, you broke a story about how you're considering a lawsuit against the state for underfunding us in urban aid, especially the payment in lieu of taxes program pilot. We had a really interesting discussion about it on our site. 
State Senator Martin Looney said, we in fact give you lots of money while we're cutting back everybody else, and plus a lawsuit would never work because it's not that we have to. Your point is that they're supposed to, under those stats, you give us 77% of the money we lose on tax, otherwise taxable revenue because they said it has to be tax exempt. And he says, but you don't have to give 77, it's advisory. And then there were very interesting comments, including by Rob N., who was with you, one of the people who thought of the idea. He said that the issue is equity, that you can make an issue that if a state requires the poorest cities to take the most property off its tax rolls and then fails to deliver on commitments to, to let those cities tax its property or get that money back, you can make an equity argument the way that there have been lawsuits about equity in education and even in aid to towns. Mm-hmm. There is a precedent. They're not slam dunks, but there are provisions under law, equity arguments, civil rights, and other arguments that if the state is saying you can't tax this, we're going to make it whole, and then we don't, that there's going to be a basis. Do you have any updates, Mayor Harp, since that whole discussion broke out about where you are in the planning? Well, we're still in the process of talking to our attorneys, and we'll see where we go with it. But, um, you know... Part of it as well is that, you know, look, the way the system is set up is that, you know, like you have a, 187 people in the General Assembly. Each and every one wants to deliver resources to their towns. And they think of their town in the same way that they think of every other town. And yet we're not the same. Right, because we're not allowed to, 54% of our property, we're not allowed to tax. And so, and I think that for me, just... And it's hard for our legislators, in all honesty, to say, yes, we're a town, and, and yes, you know, we have lovely restaurants, and, and yes, we have um, Yale, and yes, we have all of this, um, and, and yes, the state gives us more money than you, and, and, it's, and it's for this reason. They, you know, like they absolutely don't buy it, the other legislators who don't represent us. And so I think that this um, case, to distinguish us is really important for them, frankly. So they'll say, look, this is why. Now, obviously, I think what happened with State <laughs> Senator Looney, who's a real ally of yours. No, he's, that, and, he and that, I love Marty. I think he's he a lo- great leader. He felt defensive. He said, we gave a lot of aid to New Haven. We increased it. He put out a chart about all the aid that the state has sent the city, including bonding money, mm-hmm. and said, you know, it's hundreds of millions of dollars we've sent to the city. And then your staff didn't like it because they said, Look at this chart. It's bogus. A lot of this money you said you sent us. In fact, you didn't send us. You sent it to you. You sent it to do state projects that in some cases we took, didn't even want. Right. It like t- the and, rail yards. And took money, um, took property, frankly, off of our tax rolls. And was that what we think about? Was that the rail yards or what specifically? Yeah. And there was a, there was, there was some commercial buildings over there. They just picked up and they took them, they bought them. And so now they're state property, you know. So that's by the rail yards? But yes. Mm-hmm. By uh, Long Wharf. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask a skeptical question to Martin Looney and a skeptical question to you about these numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think you clearly make the case with these numbers that a lot of this wasn't really aid to New Haven. Not just what you mentioned. You also, there are other things in here like windows for the state agricultural experiment station. That's a state agency. That windows to that isn't creating jobs for New Haven. So I want to ask Martin Looney about that. Some of the stuff you identified as not being from New Haven like they put it under affordable housing for the region, like, well, West Rock Tunnel, that's clearly not for New Haven, right? You know, but then there's stuff like neighborhood housing services, home ownership opportunity, New Hallville and West Rock, or new uh, neighborhood housing for seven, 17 affordable housing units, or mutual housing for that, or Dwight Gardens, remember you're doing that project, mm-hmm. preferred affordable housing and state bond money gave money for that. Youth Continuum for um, housing for kids in trouble. 
your your staff did not include that as real aid to the direct aid to the city. Do you think they're my well, skeptical question is that too narrowly defining urban aid is just for economic development? Well, it's also urban aid that comes to the city, so that it's 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 oh, allows our our administration as well as the board of alders to set the agenda for those dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, if it goes to a not for profit, which you know, by the way, we want we like for the dollars to go to to that. We're, you know, in all honesty, we don't have a problem with any of these these things as long as our payment in lieu of taxes so that we can still have the same number of firemen, policemen, people who work in your public works department. And we we don't have to raise taxes to do that, then then we certainly are comfortable, but don't say that, you know, like that we um can do that or that it's okay. I mean, there's also this thought that maybe it's okay that we raise taxes because we have some towns around us that ha- uh, they pay more than we do. And so, um, uh, you know, in all honesty, I-, I just wanted people to know, and I want people to know that we are different. 54% of our property is tax exempt. We do get a voluntary p- payment from Yale and from the hospital, but it's, we still have to raise taxes, and we take on a lot of the region's services. And so, yes, we're glad that the service providers are here and can provide those services, but that doesn't help us when a snowstorm comes. And I we guess, need to be able so to. So am I hearing you right that your answer to that would be, first of all, this whole category that wasn't even aid to the city. That's stuff the state wanted to do that you didn't even want them to do. On the second category, are you saying that there's a whole, there's this very specific realm here of they say we can't tax property. Right. And that we can't, therefore, we don't have money that wealthier towns have to provide basic services. And you're making a distinction between basic services that get paid for out of tax revenue versus aids to nonprofit and things like that. Uh, absolutely. But That's you what welcome we're talking that about. state support. It's just that you don't think that should be included in any calculus. It, it, it doesn't help us provide services to the people of the city of New Haven. It doesn't help the city of New Haven do that. And, you know, look, and I understand that competition is t- is really tough among cities. I even understand that the uh, if you look at, and I, I don't know whether or not you got this or not, but Hartford from 2011 to 2017 got over a billion dollars uh, with all of that stuff included. We got a, a little over $300 million, which is a, a lot, but some of it wasn't for what we needed. Mm-hmm. Uh and what others who want to do business here need, um, you know, there's a big difference. And and all I've said all along is that for those legislators who come from Sprague or they come from um, Milford or or they come from Stratford or some any of those other places where they rent really literally because I felt it when I was there resent the fact that we get anything at all. Yeah. That there is an obligation that the state has recognized. Well, of course, we resent their single-acre zoning. <laughs> <laughs> Just to put we in there. Yeah. So what was interesting to me about these charts and the color code, it's a really interesting chart. I'm not sure it's really so relevant to the bigger point, was they don't let us tax. Uh-huh. We're poor. The poor towns get to do less because the state says so, right. but then the state doesn't give them back. I think that's the big point. And it was clear from the reaction to our story that New Haven supports a lawsuit. Taxpayers in New Haven do support a pilot lawsuit. And it was interesting to me when you created a category of staff for affordable housing for the region. So if they give money to mutual housing or neighborhood housing services, should that also be considered not aid to New Haven, but to the region, given that 
zoning laws prevent suburbs from doing affordable housing. And in fact, in this last session, suburban legislators, including Democrats, yes. voted to make it even harder for, for suburban towns like Milford and Brantford to approve affordable housing. So might one be arguing, might your administration be arguing that if the state is going to give bond money for affordable housing projects, that doesn't count as aid to New Haven when you're talking about, because that's probably going to come up in court. Well, it, it doesn't really count here because we already have it, you know, in all honesty, it shouldn't. But, you know, nine times out of 10, the only place they're going to be able to cite it is here, right? <laughs> Gail Schlossberg, one of those renegade Democrats who voted to overturn that law mm-hmm. and then her town immediately used that change to stop affordable housing. She's not running again. So some, she announced that last week. Mm-hmm. And so some people saying, oh, now it's going to be harder for Democrats to keep that seat. Other people saying she wasn't a Democrat. Let's have truly progressive Democrats fight and win that seat. I'm wondering why Brian Anderson, who's taken on Rosa DeLauro, doesn't just go for that job. Since well, he's a Bernie yeah, Sanders I'd help Democrat. him on that one. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in any case, how do you feel about Gleis Lussberg moving on? Uh, you know, look, I, I worked with Gail for many years, and she's a really bright lady. Um and, uh, you know, and I'm sure she has her reasons for, for moving on. Uh, there were many things that we agreed on, and there were many things that we disagreed on. Well said diplomatically. You're now <laughs> off the hook. My final question is Educational Center for the Arts. Mm-hmm. So the state has said, look, these are tough budget times, the Board of Ed. They said, we're not going to pay some families twice to attend magnet schools. So yeah. if you go to a high school, and I think, I could be wrong about this, but I think mm-hmm that only Wilbur Cross and, New ha- and, Wil- and Hill House are non-magnet high schools. So if you go to another high school in New Haven that's a magnet school, and therefore your tuition is being helped to be paid for by state dollars, well, that's another whole conversation I think mm-hmm. you and I might end up on the same side of. But separate from that conversation, we're not going to also pay for you to go to the afternoon regional uh, magnet high school called Educational Center for the Arts at Audubon Street, which has students from all over the region. My kids went there. It's a great freaking place. I mean, they do arts and writing and kind of college level and group level. I mean, taught my kids amazing writing, college level writing courses starting ninth grade. They say there are a bunch of kids in New Haven now who are not going to be able to go there if they're also going to a high school that's not Cross or Hill House. State says that's double dipping. Any thoughts? I don't think it's double dipping. It was never double dipping before. So, you know, I think it's outrageous. And yes, the state has its fiscal issues, but this is not a way to solve them. All right. Well, maybe next week we'll solve the rest because you're going to China soon. So we got to solve them all before you go there. Okay. Well, we'll try. Then you're going to (laughs) solve, starting April, all the international problems. Okay. And then you get a week off in May. All right. Well, thank you. But you got to earn it. Okay. Beginning with this supposed snowstorm we're getting, you're going to put in a word oh, for us. Okay. Have a blow at least. <laughs> Let's have it blow out to sea before it gets us. But if not, we'll be ready to park on the even side of our neighborhoods. And I'm guessing starting Monday night. I mean, yeah, starting Monday night through right, Tuesday. Yeah. And you know what? Maybe we're a little tired of storms in March, but we all pulled together in New Haven went to storm. We all remember that we live in one community together. We make it a great place. Absolutely. We'll continue, and we're going to love the beauty. There's nothing more beautiful than New Haven in the snow. Absolutely isn't. So, uh, everyone, we've got quite a storm to look forward to. All right. <laughs> and we're ready. All right. Well, th- I'm ready to thank you for joining us today on Mayor Monday on WNHH. Thanks to Gateway Community College and Bircha Moses PC for providing financial support for today's program. And we're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic experience performing I Wish I Knew How It Would Feel to Be Free from the group CD, A Plea for Peace. Now we know what it's like to be free. We just got to remember to book our flight. 
Book your flight with us all day and all night long here at WNHH, New Haven's home for community radio. Thank you.